0: Twelve, yes and pokey ways of older and smaller cities look as though they were made for dwarfs. After living in the New York streets, yet there are taller buildings, in other places, even in Europe, the statistician remarked. Spires, answered the boy, propped up by buttresses and flying buttresses and all the rest of it so as to keep them from falling. Look at those, he added, pointing at the skyscrapers before him. They are not afraid to stand by themselves, they mean something. They have a use, while a spire just sticks straight up, pointing at nothing and being of no service unless it is to hang bells in a belfry. I don't care what people say about those crazy old tumble-down buildings of the middle ages. They may be beautiful and all that, but they're useless nowadays. The New York skyscraper is the greatest example of architecture in the world because it best does what it was built to do. You are enthusiastic, noble, said his friend. I'm a New Yorker all the way through. The lad continued, and I want to feel that I'm right in the world of things, where there is so much to do that you can't crowd it into a day, where the fun is at the same speed as the work, no backwaters for me, I want to be right out in the center, I don't say that I'm going to win, but I want to be a game sport and try my strength with the rest of the crowd in the current, sink or swim, it's alright to say that the heart of the nation is Washington, and the backbone is the farm, but its nerve center is here right here in new york america is the wonder of the world all right but all there is to it is capital plus brains and new york is the furnace that melts them down into that quickness and grip on things we call the american spirit millions from every race of the world come here and the statue of liberty is the first symbol and the skyscrapers of lower new york the first reality they see of the land of promise how about the inside of these great shells of structure no such office buildings in the world The boy answered enthusiastically, the salt winds from over three thousand miles of ocean blow around them, in their steel walls there are lots of windows, lightning speed elevators make the top floor easier to get at than the second story of a dark, old-fashioned staircase building, and I've heard that the marble mosaic entrances of the larger of them put the Italian palaces to shame, I don't know Europe, but I do know New York, and I believe, Mr. Burns, if you knew it as I do you'd be as proud of it too. The inspector looked at the boy quietly. You're wrong, he said soberly, in thinking that I don't know New York. Tomorrow morning you do a little work in a section of the city in which you have probably never been, and I think we'll hear less tall talk. If you could count the tens of thousands of families who live in rooms with nothing but court windows, if you could find out in how many thousand families children are toiling under sweatshop conditions till far into the night, if you were to ask the tuberculosis district nurses what conditions they find, you might then do a little thinking on your own account, it's only right you should be proud of New York, but you'd better see both sides before you are sure of yourself, now, I suppose you're going home, yes, sir, said Hamilton, a little taken aback by his friend's rebuke, call at my hotel early tomorrow morning and I'll start you on a seeing New York trip of a new kind, and turning off sharply, The inspector swung himself aboard a passing cross-town car, nine o'clock the next morning found Hamilton in one of the worst districts he had ever seen, thronged as it was, the boy was sufficiently conscious of his difference from the people he met to feel uncomfortable, he had one of the schedules that had been filled out during the enumeration of the city, and the inspector had bidden him verify certain portions of it which were either confusing or slightly incorrect, this was to be done in a dozen or so districts. And if the information was found to be adequate, showing that the enumerator's work had been faithfully done, there would be no need for further inspection. The home manufacture of ostrich feathers first gave Hamilton a clear insight into poverty. Four or five rooms each occupied by a family of several persons he entered in one tenement, and in each he found three or four people working over ostrich plumes, working nervously at high speed, afraid to stop, even for a moment he noted conditions carefully, and was amazed to find that each of the little strands was wired he had always supposed that plumes grew upon the ostrich the way that they are sold, in one such family dejection seemed to have reached its lowest ebb, the window looked out on a court, a court that was never cleaned and where all manner of rubbish was thrown, although it was morning and a brilliant, sunshiny day, the light within was so dim that it was hard to work by, Yet with characteristic shiftlessness the window had not been washed for months and diminished still further the little light there was, a mattress in the opposite corner from a shaky cooking gas burner showed that this room, was the entire home, illustration, taking the census in a city, enumerator at a doorway, entering in his portfolio the details of the household, where is your husband, asked the boy, noting on the schedule a man's name as head of the family, in hospital perhaps dead, see. The woman pointed to a telegram which had fallen to the floor. Hamilton picked it up. It read, John Zabieski words. Come at once. And was signed with the name of one of the large hospitals. Did you go? Asked the boy. The woman shook her head. Two hours lost. If I go. No good. Two hours work means 24 cents. What's the use? What's the matter with him? Consumption. I die soon. Next year. Perhaps. All the children sick the boy looked around at all the children, there were five of them in that room, and all even the youngest, a baby four years old were nodding the feathers on the plume, the baby could hardly do it, but he was learning, many hands make light work, said Hamilton as cheerfully as he could, with so many little workers you ought to get along finally, yes, the woman answered listlessly, we get along, some days we make as much as a dollar, each of you, do we look so rich, $1 for everybody, but that is only sometimes, when I am not too sick, we can get a little more than $5 a week, by working all the time, the boy hastily asked the remaining questions on the schedule, found everything correctly reported and relieving his conscience by giving a little help out of his own pocket, he left for the next place, on the floor below was a family working on fur, every one of them with hacking coughs caused by tiny particles of fur in the lungs, we work or we starve, was again the unanswerable explanation, in the house next door, embroidering rich cloaks, Hamilton found a family of which several of the members had a bad infectious skin disease, chancing to meet a health inspector soon afterwards he told him about this family and gave him their address, I can stop it, as far as this family is concerned, the health officer said, and I suppose I ought to, but you know what it means, I suppose, what? Ask the boy, it means, if I take their work away, they will starve to death in a couple of weeks, and if you don't, if I don't, they'll go on spreading disease, oh, I'll have to put a stop to it, of course, but tell me what is going to happen to the family, they ought to go to a hospital, Hamilton said, the health officer shook his head, they are not hospital cases, he said, none of them need more medical attention than they can get in a dispensary and every hospital to which they applied would treat them in an outpatient department, they would have to take in more work, or die. but where would they get the work, any of these sweatshop jobbers will give it to them, it makes no difference to the middleman where the work is done or out of what ends it comes, as long as it is done cheap, and is all clothing open to the same risk, asked the boy, the health inspector shook his head, cheap clothing is not, he said, because even the cheapest kind of labor is more expensive than machinery, and machine-made clothes are clean, but costly dresses which need hand embroidery are sent to sweatshops to be done, not all, of course, but enough of them to keep thousands of women and children working day and night the year round, the more elaborate the gown, the longer is it likely to have been in a tenement that the future wearer would not even allow her dog to enter, from house to house Hamilton went, finding misery at every step, with the single consolation that the schedule showed in almost every case that the son or the daughter who was working had moved out of the slums, or that the family had progressed sufficiently to find better quarters. Everywhere the children from these fearful homes seemed to have been dowered with promise, and as Burns had suggested, the sole comfort and hope for the future lay in the fact that the New York slum is a one-generation slum, It was growing toward noon when Hamilton finished the short list that the inspector had given him in that poorest section, and he was glad when he was able to leave the pressure of the poverty behind him. His next district was a section of the Italian quarter, and Hamilton knew that while he would find poverty of a certain kind there, there was enough of the community spirit among the Italians to prevent such conditions as he had witnessed and enough frugality among them to enable them to make the best of all they had. Feeling that it was time for lunch, the boy hunted around a while for some restaurant that looked as though it would serve a meal that would not be too distasteful. After a little search, he found a small place that seemed to be just the thing. The signboard was in Italian and the list of dishes pasted on the windows was in Italian. But Hamilton's Spanish enabled him to make out what the phrases meant. And he went in. At a table not far from the door, a man was sitting with his back to the entrance. He did not hear the lad's step until Hamilton was just behind him. Then, with an Italian cry, he turned upon its face the paper on which he had been writing, and jumped to his feet so quickly that the chair on which he had been sitting overturned, and he stumbled as he stepped back a pace or two. He glared threateningly at the boy, who apologized for startling him, but it was evident that the man did not understand a word of English. Hearing the clatter the proprietor came out from an inner room, and seeing the Italian standing there, broke into a passionate torrent of speech, all overly unintelligible to Hamilton, I have told him, he explained to the boy, that I not want him in this a place at all, I shouldn't think you would, said Hamilton, I don't like his looks, can I have some dinner, he added, laying on the table a book he had just taken from his pocket, for the boy when alone all was read at his meals, certainly, sir, and the proprietor rattled off a string of dishes from which the boy made a copious selection, for he was hungry, but he noticed that the man who had been sitting at the table had not left the place but was furtively watching, a few steps away, he was an ugly looking customer, and Hamilton, full of grin as he was, felt uneasy, casting his eye down to where he had laid his book, he noticed the piece of paper sticking from beneath it, and noticed moreover, a heavy shadow as though there were a drawing on the other side, his pulse beat a little faster as an idea came into his mind, but he showed no sign until the proprietor returned to set the table, I think, he said, watching the stranger carefully as he spoke, that gentleman left a paper behind him, ask him, the proprietor, looking much puzzled, put a question in Italian, to which was evidently returned a sharp denial, still watching him, Hamilton slowly reached out his hand for the paper which lay on the table, only half hidden by the book, and turning it over laid it flat upon the white cloth. It was the black hand. Illustration, Festa in the Italian Quarter. Boys in Little Italy. New York. Preparing for one of the many characteristic holidays. Brown Brothers. Chapter X Rides around a city school there was a moment's utter silence. The bright little restaurant had suddenly become charged with mystery. The slinking stranger seemed to have become in a moment allied to secret powers of evil, and the whole atmosphere seemed painful in the sinister significance of that drawing on the table. A glance at the restaurant keeper dispelled all question of complicity. His jaw had fallen, his face was ashen, his lips bluish. The other saw his advantage in the terror the mere display had excited, and stepping forward, he reached out his hand to pick up the paper, saying in English, Mine. Before the Italian had time to grasp the sketch, Hamilton quietly took it and folded it in half. I wouldn't be so ready to claim it, if I were you, he said, knowing that the other might not understand the words but could tell the tone. What are you going to do? queried the restaurant keeper in a hoarse whisper. They will kill me. Hamilton thought hard for a moment or two. In the first place the matter had nothing to do with the Census Bureau and the boy felt that while he was on duty in that work and wearing the census badge he was not a private citizen, again, it was not a crime to draw a hand on a piece of paper, and the space obviously left for the blackmail message had not been filled in and thirdly he could not swear that he saw him draw the hand, he only saw the paper in the man's possession, tell him, he said to the restaurant keeper, that I shall say nothing about it, that I am not a policeman, nor a spy, tell him that so far as I am concerned I do not know that he had anything to do with it, and return him the paper, and bending forward, he reached out the paper to the Italian, who first snatched it eagerly, and then, having secured it, made a ceremonious bow, the proprietor of the restaurant translated the boy's words, and with a brief reply, which Hamilton rightly construed to be thanks, the stranger left the store, no sooner was he gone than the restaurateur, with a word of apology, sank into the nearest chair, fairly exhausted with fright. I tell you, sir, he said, as soon as he could get his breath, I had a nothing at all to do with that a man. It's pretty hard to know about these things, said Hamilton, who was somewhat unnerved himself. But I don't believe you had. Anyway, there's no harm done. I've always heard about the Black Hand Society, but I didn't expect to run across it first thing, that way. There is no black hand society, the Italian said. At least I do not think they island. How do you mean there's no black hand? Asked Hamilton a little indignantly. Haven't I just seen it? The Italian shook his head. What word are you so scared about? Ben, queried the boy impatiently. Mafia, said the other, his lips just shaping the syllables. You mean that the Mafia used the black hand? The Italian nodded. And that it is the sign of the Mafia? Mumber, said the restaurant proprietor. It is this a way. When the mafia was all a broken up in a Sicily, the chiefs come to America, but the people are so far away it is difficult to, to speak it to them all. One day one of the mafia leaders write a letter threatening to kill. His why you call it nickname was Iel Nera, that means the black hand, doesn't it? queried the boy. The Italian nodded. He signed at the bottom with a black hand because the manna to whom he write. Once was member of the mafia, the police see the letter, a newspaper print a big long story about Italian society which have the black a hand for its sign, and saying that much recent murders was done, everybody become frightened, and the mafia and the Camorra right away both begin a to use black hand, so you see when I say there is no black a hand society, no chief, no place a to meet, no meetings, no plana to share money, no oath, it is quite true. But if I say there is a society which used the black a hand that is true, too. But all I wanted to do is to be let alone. Now, I will get you your dinner, sir. Hamilton felt distinctly uncomfortable in being left alone, not feeling at all sure that the man who had been there before would not suddenly dash in upon him unawares and stabbed him in the back with a stiletto to make sure of his not talking, nor that the restaurant keeper might not put some poison in his coffee. Take it all in all. It was the most nerve-wracking meal he had ever eaten. Chatting with the inspector that evening over his black-hand experiences he found that his chief took a very serious view of the question. If we were receiving immigrants from the north of Italy, he said, it would be an entirely different matter. But all the Italians who are coming in now are from the toe and the heel of Italy, and from Sicily. You see, the north of Italy are really Celts, like the French and Irish, being descended from the Lombards. But the Sicilians and Calabrians are a mixture of the old pirates, the Moors, and the degenerated Latin races that were left when the Roman Empire fell to pieces, the endeavor to break up the Mafia sent all the leaders of that nefarious Sicilian society here, and now the attack upon the Neapolitan Camorra lands another criminal group, Italy has sent us a larger proportion of criminals than any other country, and under our present laws, if they have been three years here, they cannot be deported. The Vincenzo Abadaso case was a good example of the folly of that rule. Who was he? asked Hamilton. He was an Italian immigrant who had been arrested 27 times and convicted 25 and who came over here a couple of years ago. Within a few months of his arrival he was arrested here and sentenced to three years imprisonment and now, although he is a professed criminal, they won't be able to deport him, because when his prison term is up, he will have been in the United States three years. I suppose there are a lot of Italians coming over now, said Hamilton questioningly, a little over three weeks ago, was the reply, as I heard from a friend in the Immigration Bureau, there was a funeral in a small village near Naples and not enough able-bodied civilians could be found in the place to carry the casket, all of them were in America, there are scores of towns in southern Italy where all the work of every kind is done now by the women, because the men have emigrated. What do you think about this black hand business? I think your friend the restaurant keeper was nearly right, only that it is being used by all sorts of crooks as well, who have no connection with either the mafia or the Camorra. Mark you, I think those two secret societies are apt to be much misrepresented, just as the Jesuits were during the Middle Ages and the Freemasons were at other periods. The Camorra was once simply the Tammany Hall of Naples, but when, as happened last year, there were six hundred and fourteen black hand outrages in two states in four months. It is idle to say that it does not exist in America. The cameraist trials over the Quiccolo murders at Viterbo, perhaps the most sensational in the world since the Dreyfus case, have shown its power to be more dangerous than anyone could, for a moment, have imagined. And the danger lies here: there are more cameraists in New York than in Naples. For a moment, the boy looked at the inspector, astounded. You mean? He began. And stopped. I mean that the worst elements of the two worst societies in Europe are concentrating in New York, and that unless rigorous measures are taken to keep them down, America will harbor graver dangers than any it has yet known. Russian nihilism, Polish anarchism, German socialism may join hands with the Sicilian mafia and the Neapolitan Camorra to institute a criminal organization such as the world has never seen before. There are enough ignorant immigrants to yield to a wave of fear. And the black hand thrives and grows on terror, but, wisely held in check until they learn, these very Sicilians and Neapolitans bring much that is of value to the making of an American people. Oh, there couldn't be any real danger, Hamilton exclaimed. The spirit of American institutions would prevent such a happening, that could only be in some old-world city like Naples. The Camorra comes down from the Middle Ages. Anyway, the inspector shook his head. I hope so, he said and I only trust you may be right, and he turned the subject to the actual work in hand, it so chanced that the very next day Hamilton had an opportunity of seeing, in a mild way, how truly the inspector had spoken with regard to the alienizing of the crowds in the streets of New York, he had been working steadily several hours, and early in the afternoon he noticed a great deal of shouting in the streets, being curious, and noticing that numbers of women were hurrying past, gesticulating violently. Hamilton followed, until almost before he was aware, the crowd grew so dense as to engulf him, and he was carried along, whether he would or no, up the street, some of the women were crying, some shrieking, and all wore a furtive, strained expression as though in great distress, although there was a great deal of shouting, not a word was in a language familiar to Hamilton, and although he questioned everyone around him he could find no one that understood his questions. All that he could gather was from someone in the front of the crowd who kept on crying out in English at irregular intervals, Our children, we want our children. Even if the boy had desired to break through the crowd to return to his work he could not have done so, and he really did not wish to. He was too much interested in following the purposes of the throng. Finally the people stopped, but the boy was so far back that he could see nothing of what was going on at the head of the crowd, being determined. However, Hamilton elbowed his way by main force and reached the woman who was still crying, Our children. We want our children. Hamilton spoke to her. But the woman paid no heed. Finally, seeing that she would not listen, he shouted at her as harshly as he could. Then she turned and tried to answer his questions. What's all the row about? He asked. They rob us. Steal our children. Make them walk far away. Never see our children anymore. Oh. My Mario. Oh. My Petranilla. Oh. Our children. We want our children. Further information the boy could not get. He worked his way clear to the front of the mob and saw the police gathering on all sides. Breaking through the front rank he stepped up to the nearest policeman, who nearly shifted his grip on his nightstick. That's quite a mob, he said in a conversational tone. It is that. Sarve, said the policeman recognizing immediately that the boy was not one of the riders, I'm a census officer, the boy continued, and I was doing some inspection work for the census when I got caught in the crowd. What's the matter with them? "'Tis a bunch of dummies they are," was the reply, "'Tis thinking they are that the schools are going to steal their children, as if anyone would be one in their breaths. The most of us has enough of our own to keep, but why should the school want to steal their children?" Do you mean that they don't want them to go to school? Tis not that. Sar, the Irishman answered, but tis due to some fire drill business. The little ones are taught in the school that when a bell rings tis the fire bell i and A.S.H.D. all march out decently and in order. Tis a good idea. That same. And I'm favoring it. But it's hard to make the children see it, so that they have to drill them often. That all seems right enough. Hamilton answered, you would think so. Sar continued the policeman, but most of these mothers come from countries on the other side where they make them soldiers whether they want to be or not, and this drill in business scares the old folks most to death, but if it continues and nothing happens, I don't see why they should go on being scared, you would think the children had grown used to it, the children, they are not making any trouble, it's all the parents, then what started it, there was some street corner lecturer here the day before yesterday, trying to teach the people that children were the cause of poverty and that the only way to prevent poverty was to get rid of the children, either by having fewer or by shipping off the existing surplus. It's silly for them to heed a man like that. It's worse than silly. Sar, the policeman said, but even then I don't believe there would have been trouble. But yesterday, some rich lady, planning to give the children a picnic this afternoon and a treat. Told them they were all going out to the country and that they must tell their mothers they wouldn't be home until late. What about that? Asked the boy. I should think they would be glad that the children should have some pleasure. From all I've seen recently of the way people live in this neighborhood. I don't believe the children have any too much good times. And so they should be glad. Sorry. But they won't see it that way. They know the children have been drilled for weeks and weeks. They know a man on the street corner said the children ought to be shipped away, and the next day they are told that the children are going to be taken into the country, and they don't believe the children will ever come back. Surely they can't be as silly as all that. And what do you suppose they want to do? They don't know what they want, the policeman answered. But it's a bad business when a crowd gathers. Look there now. Hamilton looked where the man was pointing. On the outskirts of the crowd the boy noted a number of half-grown toughs hoodlums, and troublemakers generally, the cries were increasing, and the boy could see that these men were doing all they could to stir up the rest of the crowd, where they come from, I don't know, the police officer said, but any time that there's a little trouble, they'll make it as big as they can, but the whole thing's so absurd, the boy said, what do they think they're going to do, raid the school, he laughed, the policeman turned on him quickly, tis absurd, as ye say, he said rebukingly, but there's many a good man been hurt with less cause than this. That crowds grow in by thousands. Do you slip away? Sar, I'm afraid there's going to be trouble. Not much. Hamilton answered. Now I'm in this far. I'm going to stay and see the fun out. Well then, Sar, advised the policeman. ye would better slip through the school gates. Show your census badge. And the other men at the gate will let you through. Thanking him. Hamilton walked across the narrow stretch of road between the foremost ranks of the crowd and the little group of policemen gathered in front of the school entrance. As he did so, a bottle came whizzing at his head with deadly aim. Fortunately, he had been keeping his head partly turned curiously toward the crowd, and he saw the missile in time to dodge. It missed him and went hurtling on, just passing between two policemen and smashing on the iron bars of the railing. You nearly got hit that time, said one of the policemen as Hamilton showed his badge and was let through. How did you get in with them? Just doing my work, the boy answered, and got carried right along. I was curious at first, then when I wanted to get out I found I couldn't, I think, he added, a little nervously, for the flying jagged bottle had startled him not a little. That's the first time I've been in front of a mob. I wish it was the last time likely to be, was the reply, especially a crowd of women like that. Men you know what to do with, what do you suppose they'll do, asked the boy, tried to rush the school, they did once not far from here, the policeman answered, it was a school on the east side, where nearly all the children were Jewish, and in order to make it easier for the poorer children the school authorities had opened a sort of restaurant where the kids could get lunch for three cents, the story got abroad that the children were getting ham and pork, and the whole section rose in arms we tried to disperse them and couldn't, there was no way of reasoning with them, there was nothing they could do, but they just hung around, what for, waiting a chance to burn the school down, everyone seemed to think, they did make one rush toward the end of the afternoon, and several people were wounded, one of our men was badly stabbed, but he got over it, watch now, he added, in a sharp voice, there's something doing, the crowd hushed a moment, And a man's voice could be heard, but whether pacifying the women or inflaming them, Hamilton could not make out. The next moment answered him, without any apparent preparation. The whole face of the crowd suddenly seemed to burst. The end closed in and in a second one of the wildest hordes Hamilton had ever seen was at the school gates. There was a brief struggle and nightsticks were drawn. The crowd rolled back, then surged on, more angrily than before, but the blue coat stood firm. And when the crowd rolled back the second time a number showed broken heads. Son, called the police lieutenant. You scamper along, and tell the principal to hurry up with letting out the school. I sent him one message now this means business. Hamilton turned and ran for all he was worth toward the building. But just as he reached there, he saw the children marching in regular order out of the rear door. And he came back immediately to report. As he did so he found that the crowd was getting ready to make a third attempt to attack the police, when, turning the corner, sauntering down the narrow lane between the crowd and the police, came an Italian boy, about 14 years old, with half a dozen other ragged boys at his heels, on seeing him, the lieutenant turned to Hamilton, that's Caesar, he said, with a sigh of relief, I've known him for the past year or two, and he'll settle all this trouble. The boy looked at the police lieutenant with surprise. The police force had had trouble enough, and what could a boy do? He voiced his query. His father's a man of silence, was the reply, and Caesar himself knows all there is to know. You'll see. Arriving at the center of the crowd, just by the school gate, the boy turned, and speaking to the nearest officer, said, in English, without a trace of foreign accent, shrugging his shoulders, some of them won't ever learn. For a moment he scanned the mob. Call.